for Lukaku. And it has. It has. It's 3-0. Another catastrophe for Newcastle. Another celebration for Everton. And a second goal already this evening for Romelu Lukaku. Not bitter, bitter, just just better. better. The all-new Everton podcast. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast, episode 11. Uh, Mr Johnny Seven here, as always, with Mark Mack. I'm here as well, definitely here. We're going to try something a bit special to start off today. We're going to do a bit of time travel and talk to ourselves in the past while we're sat here. Does that make sense, Mark? Are we, I know we're good, like, but I didn't realise we'd invented time travel. Well, we have, and that's going to be coming up right now. We're going to say hello to ourselves in the past. Hello, Johnny. Mark, it's me, Mark. Are you there? Hello, Mark and Johnny of the future. It's Mark and Johnny from the past here. Why aren't you wearing spacesuits, boys? Oh, hello. You're only a few days in the future, so we'll let you off there. Have we won the league or the, the League Cup or won anything yet? More importantly, have we won tonight's game against Newcastle United? Because you'll know, and we're just about to go there, so let us know, boys. This is all getting a bit LSD trippy now. Anyway, uh, we're here at the Players' Lounge. Uh, it's about, uh, about 14 minutes before kick-off at the moment. Uh, team news is just in. Yeah. Bit of a shocker, no sign of Gibbo, not even on the bench. Uh, Osman comes back in, so he's obviously shaked that knockoff he had. Uh, Lukaku starts up top, uh, back four, same as usual. Uh, Jags, Baines, Distan and Coleman. Ka- Howard in goal, Barry, who else? Uh, looks like Barry McCarthy will sit in midfield. Uh, and then obviously you've got Morales, uh, Barkley and Osman uh, across like, the front attack and three in midfield. And then... Uh, Lukaku up front. Stronger than the uh, Fulham game then, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, I've had varying thoughts on this game all week. I was really confident. Uh, and then, I, I, for some reason, I wasn't so confident. Uh, and I, I think Newcastle will have a threat going forward. Definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, that front three, Ben Arthur, Cissé and uh, Lloyd Kremi, who scored a couple of goals last week, uh, is going to be dangerous for anyone. But I think under the lights on Monday night at Goodison night kick-off, I think we should do them tonight. Yeah, we covered it on last, on last week's podcast. Um, so we, we, we went through last season's home game and uh, I, I neglected to mention that Fellaini also had a goal disallowed as well as Anachibis. So, um, But anyway, uh, they haven't beaten us uh, since 2010 when Ben Arthur scored a bit of a screamer um, and then got injured for the season. So... Uh, not that we wish that type of thing on anyone, but we could do we could do with uh, without him being on, couldn't we? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's one of them players, isn't he? He can do absolutely nothing in a game, or he can win a game by himself with a bit of individual brilliance. Um, you know, probably the closest we've got to that's probably Morales, I would have thought. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I can't wait for kick-off now, to be honest. Yeah, going to walk up there. You can hear the atmosphere and players at the moment building up nicely. And yeah, we can't wait to get get the get set cars up and get the game underway. Uh, we'll do a little bit of half time like we always do on a match day, uh, and then give our thoughts at full time as well. See you later. It's eight fifty one pm on a nice, quite warm Monday night, and the Blues are beating Newcastle three 0 at half time. Um, it's all part of Roberto's master plan. You might be able to wear a play in the background. Mark? Yeah, as Johnny said then, uh, they couldn't have picked a more apt song for the half-time tune. Uh, Noel Gallagher's finest moment, probably. The master plan blasting out. Uh, and that's what it's been all first half. An absolute master plan. 3-0 up. And uh, Lukaku looks like one of the best players in the world at the moment. Yeah, two, two. Uh, well, the, the, third, the third goal, Lukaku's second. You know, straight punt upfield from Howard, and he just seemed to have more battle and curl and uh, got to it. Yeah, he's had one disallowed, and we could be we could be four, four or five already. And I think it's probably going to end up that way. Well, we've had two goals chalked off for offside already. I don't think he put the first one in. 
Oh, I thought he did. All right. One goal chalked up and one goal we should have scored. But the team's doing well. McCarthy's doing well. Barry's doing well. Out to the new signings. And obviously Lukaku's doing great. So... Long may it continue. Yeah, I mean, I can't see Newcastle getting into this game at all. Probably just jinked us completely there, like. But um, yeah, I mean, all I can see is more goals in the second half the way we're playing. I think maybe under Moyes we might have just we might have sat back at two, but we just thought like we want more, and it's just great to see. Possession's great, passing's quite crisp. So. Yeah, happy days. Yeah, the only slight negative there. Morales picked up a bucket towards the end of the first half. Uh, got one. I, I would maybe think about you know making this change at half time. Morales and giving Delafeu a go because got nothing to lose now with three up. Give the lads a run out. Yeah, and then at that point we sacked past Mark and Johnny because those half time predictions were uh, were woeful. It didn't exactly go to plan in the second half against Newcastle, did it, John? No, you said in that little bit while we were at the match that you might have jinxed us, and I think you might have done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, going back to the game now, it's a few days on. Um, do you want to quickly just run over the first half, the goals again? Um, yeah, we've, we've seen it We've seen it since and had a better, um, more time to think about it. Yeah, we were a bit gutted, weren't we, at the game on uh, Monday, because uh, every goal scored, even the Newcastle goals, were all down the park end, so we didn't have the greatest view in the Gladys Street. Yeah, I, was, I said it after, uh, well, when it was coming to half time, save some goals for down our end. Uh, we didn't get to see any, unfortunately. Uh, but I'm sure, as most listeners uh, know now, and they've probably seen the goals themselves, uh, we had a, a brace from Lukaku. That's the right term, isn't it? A brace for yeah, two. two. Two from Lukaku, and a great assist for Barclay's goal as well. Um, first goal, in particular, nice little break from Morales, uh, knocked the ball past. Uh, was it beyond Colaccini? Uh, yeah, it was, yeah. Made himself a bit of space. And then Lukaku, uh, Lukaku's movement for that goal was just excellent. He was running up ahead and he just hung back just a little bit. And Manalas found him with a great ball. A bit of a Jelovic finish, would you say, from, from his first season? Yeah, first time finish. Um, it just shows Lukaku's got that little bit of class where he can just find a yard in a box and that's all it looks like he needs to, yeah. to, uh, to score, obviously. Um, while the game was going on, I thought I was being dead clever, shouting on made in Belgium, but uh, it looks like everyone was using the same phrase because they used it on the commentary on the telly as well. But it, it was made in Belgium, wasn't it? You know, yeah, it, it was, they've yeah. obviously got a relationship with Alice and Lukaku, uh, and you know, it showed it in that goal. I thought. Yeah, in, in, in the past, uh, Morales might have taken that on himself, mightn't he? He might have cut in, but maybe because it's his mate in the middle. He's put it on the play for Yeah, him. I know what you're saying. He's obviously got trust in, in Lukaku being able to finish. You know, th- those sort of balls coming in at, at, with a bit of pace from wide. So, uh, you know, it's something we can only reap the benefits of, of through the season, I think. The second goal, uh, Lukaku turned provider. Uh, picked the ball up quite uh, around, the, around the centre circle mark um, and moved forward. And it was just an inch-perfect pass. It was like a goal on FIFA, wasn't it? Like yeah. he, he proper he pressed the, the through-ball button, didn't pressed he? Pressed triangle. Pressed triangle and uh, put it through to Barkley. Great little take from Barkley. Looks like he's given the goalies the eyes and sent them the wrong way. Um, yeah, lovely little team goal that was. Uh, and the third one was a lovely team goal. Uh, yeah, great, great sort of intricate passing that we expect from a Roberto Martinez side. When in re- well, in reality, Tim Howard's Absolutely hoofed it about <laughs> 200 yards off the field. Uh, it's dropped. Tim Krull has decided to come out, seeing Lukaku, absolutely shit a brick and thought, I'm having none of this, uh, and just left it to uh, Romelu to, to tuck it in. Yeah, one of the lads in the match, uh, at the match sits in front of us, compared it to um, Aston Villa's goal, Wyman, against uh, City at the weekend, where it's just a bit of a punt up field. And the striker just wanted it more, and Lukaku did. He wanted it more. Very cool with the finish. Uh, waited through the defender out a little bit, sidestepped, and then put it into the empty net. Um, just, just class. He could have bottled it again, but it was, it was class. Um, so he had one disallowed, as we said in our little half-time bit. Uh, he could have had a, a, another one, um, but he was, he was called up for offside, uh, and it was all hunky-dory going in. Three and a half time, and we thought we were cruising. 
We did, yeah. Um, but we were cruising. Well, we were, and the, but the second half was a was a different story completely, wasn't it? I mean, luckily we held on for the three points. Um, you know, there, uh, there was a few people coming out of the game saying, "Oh, you know, typical Everton. We sat back. We should have kept on attacking." But to me, it, I just thought Newcastle came out a, a much better side in the second half. I thought that was what the difference was. Yeah, uh, Kabai came on. Obviously, got a great goal. But he just seemed to do a lot more. Just gave a lot more life to Newcastle, the Newcastle side. They looked pretty poor in the first half. But I thought that was more down to our doing than them. Than them. But yeah, I thought we played well in the first half. You know, I thought great possession play, lots of nice passes. But I thought Newcastle allowed us to play. Yeah, they that, pressure. That, yeah, and that was the difference in the second half. I don't know know whether Pardew would flag this up, um, but you know, did they, they come out? They looked like they wanted the ball more. They were pressurising us. They were, you know, they were putting the foot in, getting tackles in, and they weren't allowing us to play uh, as freely as we had done in the first half. And that made a big difference. And as you said, there, uh, Kabaye popped up with a, you know, a lovely little finish. He's a good player, isn't he, Kabaye? Yeah, he's, uh, he's a bit of an arsehole, and he tried to batter our ball boy a few and years. And he beat ago. up ball boys, yeah, shit house. But um, yeah, I mean, great finish into the top corner. Uh, and at that point, we were all like, oh, well, you know, you, you can't help these worldy goals. You know, we'll, we'll, it's still going to be 4-5-1. We still looked like we had a goal or two in us. Um, Delefeo came on and did what he's been known to do so far in his short little spell with Everton. Yeah, I, take, I, take about 15 players on and not pass it, uh, but nearly get the, the finished uh, product anyway. Yeah, I suggested the half-time that, Delafay, you should come on, uh, and I'm sorry I did, but we'll probably. I think we're going to speak a little bit about Delafay a bit later on in yeah, the podcast, we aren't we? We've got a lot to say about him. Um, and then again, it was uh, it started getting to a bit of squeaky bum time because uh, Newcastle pulled another one back. Shocking goal that was! Uh, just just a clanger, and uh, Remy is a is a quality striker, so we you know he was happy just to pick it up and you know easy goal for him. Really, uh, so three-two. Do you think we were in danger of losing it? Well, there was it was getting a little bit hairy towards the end, wasn't it? Um, you know, there was, a little bit. You know, a bit, bit back to the wall for the last sort of. And when they flagged up four minutes uh, extra time, I think everyone sort of started getting a bit nervous, and you could feel a bit of tension in the crowd. So, you know, Newcastle were definitely win a shout of at least stealing a point, but uh, we managed to see it out. I think it's, it was the right result over the overall um, overall game. We bossed, obviously, as the scoreline suggests, the first half. I think we were on top most of the second half as well, even though you know they got two two goals in the second half and we didn't get any. I thought we still controlled the game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's all about psychology, isn't it? I mean, you go in at half-time, you, you're completely dominating the game, you're 3-0 up, you're flying. It, it must be difficult to come back out in the second half with the same level of motivation. I mean, obviously the players are still motivated, they want to win, but I think you're getting that mindset of, you know, well, we can do what we want here, we can try and score wonder goals, we can, you know, you know, play as many little one-twos as we like. And I think, as I say, when Newcastle came out the second half and started putting the foot in a little bit more, um, we were a little bit shell-shocked, I think. Yeah, something I noticed in the game, Lukaku didn't seem as um, influential on the game, but he seemed to switch positions a few times with Morales. Morales went up top. And Lukaku went over to the right. Um, so whether his involvement, uh, he, he could have been more like, more dominant if he if he just stayed up top. Well, you know that might have been something uh, Roberto was trying to use uh, Morales' electric pace as an outlet rather than Lukaku. Um, I think Barkley still played really really uh, well in the uh, second half. McCarthy, I thought he's had his best game in a blue shirt. He's only had a couple. Um, but he's showing that, that he, he can come in and, uh, and have, a, have an influence. Uh, yeah, to me, that was the first time where McCarthy really looked like a, you know, an Everton player uh, and really sort of lived up to the hype and the price tag a little bit, I thought. Um, I just wanted to mention, I, I t- someone who I thought was a bit of a, you know, didn't really get many plaudits after the game, but I thought he had a really great game again, and that was Seamus Coleman. Yeah. I thought I in the first that. half, I thought he had, you know, he had Ben Arthur in his, in his back pocket. Yeah. Uh, led to him going off. Yeah, just because they had no influence on the game at all. Yeah, that's right. Uh, obviously, Ben Arthur getting subbed off. I thought he, Coleman was great again going forward. 
Uh, and I, I was reading an article the other day, uh, and it, you know, they were talking about the, the most underrated players in the Premiership. And uh, Ben, a- uh, sorry, Ben Arthur, uh, Seamus Coleman was flagged up as the most underrated player in the Premiership at the moment. We've talked about him a lot on this podcast, and the fact that we signed him for what sixty thousand, um, you know, he's come on absolutely leaps and bounds in a couple of seasons he's had with us. Uh, even even the last season, he's just a completely different player. There were a few times where uh, at Newcastle we would have liked to have seen him do that, you know, that Forrest Gump type run where he just gets the ball and heads down, because um, that's what we're used to from him. You know, he's just so direct, or he was so direct, but now he's just so mature. His tacklings come on loads, uh, his positional play, just maturity, and he's still only a, a relatively young lad. Um, we could have like another about eight to ten years of him, you know. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. He was one of our better players again. Uh, and obviously it's given us good good balance now with Bainsey. Uh, and while we mentioned Bainsey, uh, there was something I, I just couldn't believe in the game. I thought, you know, I was really shocked. Bainsey missed a free kick. What's going on? I don't know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, come on, Leighton. You need to step up. You want to get that new contract. Um. Yeah, so anyway, 3-2. We move into October undefeated and fourth in the table. <laughs> so after those... Uh, three draws in a row. It's, it's looking rosy again, isn't it's it? Also, it is. It's looking good at the minute. Um, obviously, top four at the minute. We've got the. Uh, it's dominated by uh, the two North London clubs and the two Merseyside clubs, which I don't think a lot of people probably would have predicted uh, at this stage of the season. Um, and it, there was some. It was a bit of a crazy weekend, really, in the Premier League, wasn't it? I mean, uh, you look at the likes of City, who we play next week. Uh, Getting beat and uh, oh, Moisey again. We keep on, it keeps on coming up every week, doesn't yeah, he? We, we keep wanna, mentioning him. We don't him. want to talk about it so much and uh, like dwell on his uh, misfortune, but he keeps keeps setting us up. So we have to keep knocking him out the park, don't we? It's just uh, unbelievable with West Brom. I mean, yeah, I, mean, uh, I, I, you know, it's very, very rare, isn't it, when a team like West Brom go to Old Trafford and, and they win, you know, and you know, and they deserve to win as well. I watched the game. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, he really did deserve to win. Um, some shocking defender from United. And some strange team selections as well. Fellaini on the bench and Anderson starting, which I found to be a bit odd. Uh, Van Persie. Uh, Van Persie on the bench in the end. Van Persie. Uh, obviously, I think they've had a one eye on the Champions League game, which is tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday, so they're playing tonight. But um, he's under a bit of pressure, isn't he, Moisey? Yeah, be interesting to see if it carries on how long he'll uh, how long he'll last. Therefore, um, I, I just want to just mention a little bit a uh, little bit more about the Newcastle game uh, before we move on to our news section. Uh, I, I read a little little piece that Ian Snowden did uh, for the Daily Post, and it said about um, our mate Ian Snowden. Our we mate, were hanging out on it after the game on Monday. Yeah, our mate Snods. Yeah, um, and he said about we're still we're playing that same passing game that we did in the first three games, where and the you know preseason and you know playing the possession game, but now we're playing that with a purpose, and you know so it looks like that little spell that those three games where it was like a little bit of negativity, and uh, a lot of people saying that we're passing but we're not getting anywhere I think we pushed on from that already and we're looking to get away quickly direct passing and it seems to, seems to be a lot more fluidity to our play already so uh, I, I'm, I just can't wait I, I saw Roberto on match of the day on Saturday night and I just love the way he talks about football and it makes me excited to go to watch uh, watch the Blues a lot more than I've been in the past God knows how long not that I wasn't excited, but you know I'm a lot more excited that I'm positive about I'm going to get to see some good football, no matter what. Yeah, it's exciting times. I mean, you know, we've still got. You forget at the moment the likes of Pienaar are out injured, and you know, when can you remember a time when somebody like Pienaar we we'd be talking about? Well, is he going to get back into the side once he's fit again? Well, he's going to have to pull his finger out if he is, because uh, there's a lot lot of midfielders. Um, who were performing there, so he, he might not even, he might not get back in. And that competition for for places is, is only going to be is only going to drive them on even more, isn't it? I mean, because you look at the likes of Dan and Gibson at the moment, you know, I can't see Gibbo coming back into the starting eleven just because of the way Barry's playing, obviously, and, and after McCarthy's performance against Newcastle, and you know, he looks like he he's made a good show for a, for a starting berth every game. So, so yeah, I mean, it's it's great times to be a blue at the minute. 
probably just jinxed us again then. I am Ian Snowden and you're listening to the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. News! The best jingle on any podcast ever, that is, isn't it? That's not big headed, is it? Who wrote that? Uh, someone on Garage Band, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but anyway, it's time for our Everton news section. Uh, we've got a few little pieces today. Uh, first up is someone on our Facebook page said we, we, they want us to talk about this. Alcaraz. And as a prison, it was great in its time, but uh, a few people managed to escape, didn't they? So it wasn't really unpenetrable as... as, as uh, yeah, it's and I mean over the last few years, it's it's been left to fall into a state of disrepair, and obviously because of its location in the San Francisco Bay um, and inclement weather conditions, it's it's obviously weathered and uh, it's and you know I don't really know what to talk about. Anyway, <laughs> we should we shouldn't do humour, should we? Not really, no. Uh, anyway, Alcaraz, yeah, he's uh, obviously he signed a two-year deal with the Blues. And we've yet to see him. He came in, he had a hernia up, came back, started training and got a groin injury. So he's out for another month. Um, so a two-year deal, it's, it seems a little bit of a risk, doesn't it, for a 31-year-old who we, we, we haven't seen yet? Yeah, I mean, I think the most surprising thing about when he signed the deal was I was surprised he, he didn't get injured lifting the pen up. Yes, <laughs> yeah, I mean, people say about Gibson being made of glass, which I wouldn't particularly say to him. <laughs> but... Uh, he, he, he does seem does seem like a bit of a risk at the moment. Um, I mean, I'm just hoping he can shake it off because he does sound like he's got a bit of exper- uh, experience and can add a bit to the squad. I mean, the, the upside of it is, let's face it, he probably wouldn't be playing for us at the minute anyway. You know, we don't need him. We don't need him yet. Yeah, we obviously Jagielkin and Distan. You know, they, they very rarely get injured. They always seem to be available. Don't be, don't be jinxing us again. I've done it again, haven't I? Yeah. Um, and then we've got, obviously, Johnny Eitinger and John Stones uh, on the bench. Both seem to be sort of in favour at the moment, to the point of, you know, making the bench most weeks. So. Um, and that will give us a nice little segue into our next little piece of news. Uh, Shane Duffy, who would have been on the, on the, on the bench, uh, but he's been, let, uh, he's been allowed to move out on loan to Yeovil. Yeah, he's gone to Yeovil in the Championship. Um, they had a game last night against Leicester, and Shane Duffy's gone straight into the side, starter for them. Uh, so it looks like he's going to be getting games, uh, which is, is only good for the lad. He uh, deserves to be playing. You know, He's waited a long time for his, uh, a proper chance at Everton, um, and never, that's never really been given to him. Uh, so hopefully he can, uh, he can impress out in the Championship, similar to, to what Ross Barkley did last year. What worries me about Duffy is he's been on the fringe of the first team for a number of years now, and he hasn't quite made it. At first, we were just worrying, uh, is it Dither and Dave not wanting to give him a chance? Um, but now, Roberto, do you think he's just a victim of circumstances with, you know, he's got Jagielk and Distan ahead of him, and it just so happened that John Stones is in there ahead of him now as well? Or do you think... Do you, what, basically what I'm asking, is he good enough and will he ever break through Everton? Well, we're never going to find out if he never gets given a chance. And, you know, the fact he's gone out on loan is a chance for him to impress. Um, so, I, I think I, I, at his age now and the amount of time he's been around the club, if he was going to break into the side, he would have. So, I think he, I can't see him having a great future at Everton. I hope he does. Because, you know, I love it when we bring through young players, uh, you know, and, and then those players go on to, you know, do good things. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think probably, you know, the writing's on the wall for, for Shane Duffy at the moment. Um, the thing is, I mean, Distan's 36, but we spoke about it before. He, he's still playing like he's a 20-year-old, isn't he? So he could have at least, you know, another couple of seasons. So whether Duffy's going to be around, just mentioned Stones is going to be ahead of him. Jags is still only 30, uh, 31. Um, so, you know, there's a couple of years. He, he, he might, unless he does something really impressive in this spell um, with the Oval, which brings him back and puts him above stones, maybe. But, yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't see him breaking through either, to be honest. 
If if he doesn't make it for any reason, I, I've got this idea. Go on. For, for Shane, um, for the future, you know, in case you know his football career doesn't pan out. And basically what it is, obviously now Luis Suarez has come back, and we all know Luis Suarez, you know, likes to bite people. Um, so what what Duffy can do is he can uh, basically make his own TV show where he, he kills Luis Suarez, and it could be called Duffy the Vampire Slayer, I think. <laughs> How long have you been thinking of thinking that one? <laughs> well, ten seconds, you can tell, can you? Yeah, not bad, not bad though. Um, next bit of uh, news, it's more of a talking point. Um, we alluded to it a little bit in our match report. Uh, Della Feu, is he the new Royston Drent? Yes. Right, okay. He's the new Royston Drent in the way that he absolutely infuriates the life out of me. Yeah, he's had a few cameos, and I'm going to argue the point. Um, you know, we, we, we do agree on a lot, but I think it's a little bit unfair to compare him to Drent. Uh, for one, he can stand up for longer than five seconds. Two, he's still only very, very young, um, and so he's got a lot of uh, got a lot of learning to do. Still, uh, still very, very early days for him. Is that what he was, what, our third or fourth appearance? He's uh, scored one. He's set up another in a couple of appearances. So uh, I'm a little bit more optimistic about him. I, I, I couldn't stand Drent. You know, he's big time Charlie. I don't think there's any place for p- players like that at Everton. I, I sort of get the impression from Delafeu though that he, he's possibly got that a bit about him. I, I, I watch him and I see him and he, he pulls. He's, he's a young kid. He's coming to the side. All right, I know he's a Barcelona player. So I know he's probably, you know, he's come from a place, we, we've got to accept it, he's come from a bigger team than Everton, hasn't he, come from Barcelona? No, it's arguable, that, no. <laughs> All right, yeah, it's yeah. all, you know, but I just think he he's, he pulls faces at people, you know, he he looks down his nose at people, I just get that impression from him, and he's he's got no right to do that at the moment, because he's not done anything for us, except run to the byline about 20 times and then completely panic and give the ball away. So, at the minute, I don't, I don't really see what he brings to us. There's a lot of people saying they think he should play. I mean, you know, I did it myself. I said, bring him on at half-time. Um, but, I don't know, there's just something about him. It, it, he, he winds me up. In nearly everyone's preferred starting lineups at the moment. You've got him on the left and Morales on the right with Lukaku up top. And in reality, I can't see that happening for a, for a long time. Um, and it, it's far too risky for not just an Everton manager, but any any manager to play with two out and out wingers. I, I just can't see it happening anymore in today's in today's game. It's just the, the game the games change. You don't you don't have a Kinchelskis and a Limpar anymore. You have one or the other because that's two it's two luxury players. Yeah, I mean, I can't see him starting any Premier League games in, in the near future. And obviously, you know, we go back to what we were saying last week. We've been knocked out the League Cup now, so we haven't got the scope there to, to give fringe players, players on the fringe of the first team, you know, a go in that. Um, there is there is some internet talk this morning, very unsubstantiated, though, that uh, Morales may have got a knock um, and may be doubtful for the game at the weekend. So, I mean, would he come in straight swap, do you think, for... Morales, if he and then not play both of them, just just be an understudy to Morales more than anything. I, I think if Morales goes out, Naismith's more likely to come in. I'm not saying that's the right decision, but I, th- I think that's more likely and even more likely than that. I think if Gibson's still sniffing around uh, the fringe, I, I think he's going to come in and Osman will move out. He, Osman played on the left well, at the weekend. Uh, sorry, on Monday night. Yeah, he did, and, and he and he probably had his. I'd say probably his best. Game for the Blues yeah. this season. Definitely the best, first 45 minutes, I thought Osman was, was brilliant. Yeah, and uh, his scorpion kick attempt was uh, fantastic, wasn't it? I still haven't seen that on the telly. I've got no, I asked somebody who was sat in the park end and they had no recollection of him doing this. But from the Gladys Street, it definitely looked like he, he decided to go ninja. Yeah, it was one of those, uh, it was a decent cross, decent-ish cross, but obviously not decent enough uh, it wasn't on his head or it wasn't on his volley, so he just flung both legs up in the air and it was a bit of a Higuita moment. Um, but so, I kind of agree. I, I thought he, he he had that game out, and I always say this about Osman, he has a game or two out and he comes back in and he comes back in fresh, and I thought he did that on Monday night, and you can see why he's 
why, why he's still an Everton player. Yeah, so, but going back to Delefeu, I mean, you know, Blues, go on the page, crucify me if you want, but at the moment, I think he shouldn't be playing for us. Um, and I predict that at the end of the season, you're all going to agree with me and say, I'm boss. There are still people who still think Drent was uh, amazing now and we should have kept hold of him. So, you know, that's... I refuse to even talk about that, man. People, people's opinions on it, you know, the thing, the thing is, about, he is exciting. He is exciting and, and, and he can't take players on. It's just that finished product isn't quite there just yet, but I think it will be. Uh, Evertonians, in, on the whole, are a very educated set of football fans, I would say. However, there are some who still think Billy wasn't a good player. What's that all about? <laughs> yeah, anyway, moving on from Billy. Uh, a little bit of talk. I can never move on from Billy. <laughs> a little bit of talk about um, Lukaku. And a question was posed to us. Uh, it should be a quick one, quick one to deal with this. What happens if we qualify the champion, yeah, for the Champions League with Lukaku in the side and then he has to go back to Chelsea? It's a very interesting point, this. Now, I've looked at this long and hard, yeah. and I think we play in the Champions League and he goes back to Chelsea. Yeah, and who cares? We're in the Champions League. No, seriously, though. We, it's an uh, odd question, that, really, isn't it? It is. It, it's, if, you know, if, if we're not... If people are worried that we're not going to be equipped if we make it into the Champions League, think about the position we'll be in as a, as a club. We're already a, a semi-attractive club to come and play for. Um we, we just haven't got that that additional selling power of the Champions League. If we have that, then you know we, we should be able to attract the big name players. We should be able to invest more in wages. And you know, I, I don't think that's and a worry. I don't think it's a worry. You might not be able to replace him because he's such a good player, but you can invest in the whole squad. Yeah, but football these days it, it's it's fluid, isn't it? And things change in the space of weeks, let alone months. We may be able to replace him in the summer with him. <laughs> Who knows? We don't know, do we? Who knows what's going to be happening with Chelsea? I, th- I think that, well, just at the moment, though, Chelsea paid twenty million for him, untested. You know, in, in the Premiership, he's had a good, good season, season with West Brom. He started for us on fire. You're going to be looking double that. Are we ever going to spend forty million on a player? Well, it used to say by next summer, if we qualify for the Champions League, we wouldn't be owned by Arab sheiks and be able to pay whatever we want <laughs> yeah, for players. Yeah. We don't know, do we? It's 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 w- w- far too much off in the distance to to be able to talk about that. Plus, um, we're probably not going to qualify for the Champions League, so but it's a bit I'd, pie in the I'd sky. Like isn't be, it? I'd like to be in that position, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like him to fire us into the Champions League? And then worry about it. Of course I would. I'd like him to fire us to win the league, but that's unlikely as well, isn't it? But, you know, at the moment, it's great. And just going back to something we touched on last week, um, there still seems to be a bit of confusion around his his loan deal. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's still people asking about, you know, know, can he be recalled in January? No. Well, no. My understanding is it is that we've paid a fee which is around about the three million pound mark, which is, you know, well, it is. Um, But when you're adding that we're paying his wages as well, it works out at about five million for this season. So we're basically paying about five million pound for one season for the player. If he can push us up with a few goals, then it pays itself. As you say, if he gets us Champions League football, for for instance, then, you know, it's it's the steal of the century, isn't it? Yeah. Um, So... You know, we've got him for the, let's we've got him for the whole season. Let's enjoy him while he's here, um, and then let's uh, cross that bridge when we come to it about will we be able to get him next season? Um, you know, he might be a flash in the pan. He might have had his good Everton games for us now, and he'll uh, do a yellow bitch and we <laughs> won't score again for us. I doubt that very much. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to watching him this season and and winning the league. <laughs> uh, last bit of news. Um, something you brought to my attention is uh, we've been linked with uh, by the player himself I believe uh, he said he spoke to a player from West Brom, uh, West Brom called uh, Soldo Berahino yeah Berahino was we've already mentioned that West Brom uh, went to Old Trafford and um, beat United at the weekend uh, a great first goal from uh, Alma Fatino I think you pronounce it uh, basically, just ran the length of the pitch and bit of a five side goal, and then completely took the piss with a little dinked finish over De Gea. 
Um, and then the, the second goal, the, the winning goal, was scored by uh, Berahino, uh, who's a young lad um, who basically was an illegal immigrant as a child, came from Burundi. Uh, and I believe you got some information about Burundi for us, John. The only thing I know about Burundi is a Burundi beat from Adam Ansong. Right, okay. So, and basically, he's on the books at West Brom, and Berino, which I'm having trouble saying. Not like you, Better he now, He's represented England at every single level, right the way up to under-21s. So he's only got the senior team to make his debut for. Um He's scoring goals for the under-21s and he's playing well for West Brom at the minute and strangely, he's on £850 a week and can leave at the end of the season for 300000 apparently and has expressed that he would like to play for Everton. Snap sign him up. Well, apparently there's quite a few clubs interested in him as well. I know Arsenal are, are very interested. Um, and Hold on, he's a midfielder. Yeah. It's not like Arsenal to be linked with them there, is it? So I'm sure Tottenham are going to be sniffing around <laughs> yeah. him as well. Um, but he's actually said that you know if these clubs came in for him, he, he prefers to go to Everton because uh, you know Everton have got a good history of bringing through young players, um, and I'm sure he could be a ready-made replacement for Delafeu if when he goes back to Barcelona next season. Okay, well that wraps up our news section, and we shall be back in a sec. This is the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast. If you haven't already, go and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash EFC, Not Bitter, Just Better. Or you can find us on Twitter at Just Better EFC. We're just going to have a little look ahead to the uh, Man City game now, do a little bit of build-up to that as well. Um, yeah? Yeah, I mean, um, back playing on a Saturday, uh, but it's the early kickoff this week. Um Going to be on BT Sport for anyone who's listening in England oh, who wants to watch great. it. Great, we'll have to uh, Michael Owens sending us to sleep with his. Oh. Yeah, we'll have uh, Michael Owens' wonderful insight into the game, um, and then for anyone else who's not in this country, uh, I'm sure you'll be able to find it on Dewig. Uh, <coughs> we should get um, shares in that place, shouldn't we? Which which place? I was just coughing then. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah just, yeah. just 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 clearing me uh, my chest off. Um, so yeah, uh, going over to the Etihad, uh, should we do the old commentator's cliche that we'll be travelling down the, the East Lanks Road, when really you never go down the East Lanks Road, you go down the 62. You can do, because you're going. I am going, it's going to be my first away game this season, um, it's a place I've been to a few times now, the, uh, the Etihad, um, and you know, it's a decent ground, Um it's always fun having a bit of banter with the uh, the old Mancunians, uh, who don't particularly like scousers. So there's always a, a decent atmosphere. Um, and you know, I remember going there last season, and we got a one-one draw out of it. Do you, any memories of that game at all, Johnny? No. <laughs> you probably won't have either, because it was a pretty dull game. Uh, it was December last year, uh, winter game, grey afternoon, um, and th- th- the memory I have of it was that. He kept on for some reason. City on that day, they had Jacko up front, and he just kept on piling long balls up to him. And he'd win every ball with his head, but then he had a head like a fifty pence piece that day, and he was just flying off. And but he never really looked threatening. Flaney put us one nil up after about half an hour, uh, and then Tevez got an equaliser. I think it was just before half time or just after half time. Um, but we came away with a draw, which was a which was a good result there last year, and it's a result had. I'll probably take off you now for this weekend. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's going to be a very, very different challenge than the uh, Newcastle game. Um, but not not one that we um, we should be too scared of. The way, the way we started, we can go there. And, you know, City at the weekend, 3-2, was it? 3-1? 3-1, 3-2 versus Villa. Yeah, it's 3-2 away to Aston Villa. Uh, as we said earlier in the podcast, you know, it's been a bit of a crazy weekend with teams losing, and we've already mentioned United, but City obviously as well, when, you know, would have been fancied going away to Villa. Uh, I think I don't think City have won away in the league so far this season. Lost against Cardiff, lost against Villa, yeah, but they're at home. <laughs> so, 
So, I mean, looking at it, the thing, I, I think a big factor in this game is, as we said before, we're recording this on Wednesday, so there's Champions League games tonight, and, and City are playing. They haven't got a particularly easy tie, have they? They're at home, but yeah. they're playing, uh, they're playing Bayern Munich, European yeah. champions. Um, and then it's quite a short turnaround, really, to the early kickoff Saturday morning. They have, they've got a, a strong squad, uh, so you know they've got players who can come in. But then that that in itself poses a problem of uh, having a settled side, doesn't it? So it's not always, you know, that, that squad game isn't always, you know, the best for that kind of thing. So you know, I, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not one for doing for predictions, but I, I I will say that I don't think we should be scared of going to any club at the moment. Um, the way we've started and the way it's been over the last couple of years, we can pull off um, upset results, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, you look at the team he put out last week against Villa, and it, it it was a strong team. You know, heart and goal as always. Back four of Zabaleta, Kolarov, Nastasic, company, which is pretty much the the first choice four that he he tends to go with. Uh, and then in midfield, you had Torre, you had Nasri, Fernandinho, Negredo, Jeco up front. So. I would suggest that a large amount of that team are going to start tonight against Munich because Munich, like you know, we all know what City's past in the Champions League. Like you know, they're not the greatest Champions League side, are they? Failing to get out the group stage the last two years, so I think there's a big push this year. The the fact they brought Pellegrini in is a push on trying to do better in the Champions League. So you would have thought their main focus would be the game tonight rather than ourselves. Well, hopefully, and you can overlook us. Um, my word of advice. Don't give any free kicks around the box. Yeah, because uh, the, the, this season has been two great free kick takers at the Premier League. Yeah. It's been Leighton Baines yeah. and it's been Yaya Torre. Yeah, he's, uh, he's been, been on fire, hasn't he? He seems to have added that to his game. Or maybe he's just uh, he's, he's always had it in his game and he hasn't been able to get the ball off Tevez. Ideally, what we want is Torre plays to a full 90 minutes tonight against Munich. He's knackered and then he... Get replaced by Jack Rodwell on Saturday. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. You've got a, a lot of dangerous players. I think Navas has come in and done a great job. Um, you know, really, really tricky on the ball. Good distribution. Uh, obviously, Aguero's a danger. Well, Aguero missed a game last week with a slight knock. Whether that was because he was getting saved for tonight, or whether there's, you know, he has actually got a knock yeah. or a pull or something. Um. Got two in the, you know, two in the derby, doesn't he? Uh, you got. Got Nasri, who's he's always a danger as well. I mean, you could just go through them all. Can you? You've got uh, Negredo, Jovetic. Uh, well, we on. haven't seen much of Jovetic yet, but I've got a feeling he, you know, depending on whether he plays tonight, which I doubt, because I think they'll probably go Aguero and maybe Negredo or, or yeah. Jeco. Um, I've got a feeling Jovetic might start against us. Yeah, we got a couple in the uh, Capital One Cup last week, but you know, what's that competition anyway? But. As an Evertonian, um, you know, if Pellegrini wants to underestimate us, then then fine. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it suits us because I think he'd be a fool to underestimate Everton at the minute. Uh, and you know, I'm fairly confident going into the game. Really, um, I can't. Well, can you see any changes to the team to play no, Newcastle? I think uh, I think back four uh, just picks itself at the moment. Uh, can't see any changes there at all. Obviously, Timmy H in goal. Uh, maybe get a couple more assists after that great one at the weekend. Uh, I think Barry's a set. Oh no, he's not. Yeah, Barry. Barry can't play, can he? He's on loan, isn't he? Something we haven't Yeah, not not realised that. So, so Gibbo hopefully come in for him, do the same kind of job if he's fit. And that's going to be a loss, Barry, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. He's come in and done a really good job. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why we've, we've overlooked that point. Um, McCarthy's probably going to keep his uh, spot in that case. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping now Gibbo's going to make it, to be honest. Or possibly Pienaar. Uh, I think, is Pienaar sniffing around? Uh, well, again, you know, we're, we're not hearing too much news on his injury at the moment. Uh, initially, he said maybe a couple of weeks, and it's been a couple of weeks now, so um, I'm sure he's getting close to coming back. Maybe this is just a little bit too soon for him, no, possibly, I would suggest so. Um, yeah, like yeah, I think possibly Gibson uh, to come straight in for Barry, and maybe that be the only change. See, this this is the uh, this is the dilemma here now. 
what do you think's more likely if Gibson's not fit? Do you think it's think it's more likely for Heisinger to come in, or a winger? I think I think Heisinger is going to be the man. I think for the game like City away, possibly more likely to be Heisinger, or, or as you said earlier, maybe Naismith because yeah. you know Naismith can battle a little bit in that midfield. He can win headers. He can be scrappy. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, I. I want to say that we've got a chance of winning this game, and I was my boss in work was te- he's, a, he's a mad bloke, Everton season ticket holder was telling me last night that he, he had a very vivid dream where um, he was Everton won three nil. Well, and he's adamant that we're now going to win three nil. Now I I can't see that. I'd be absolutely made up if we did. You have to get, get him checked out if that comes through. Uh, well, that's it, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I. I'd fancy us for the draw again. I think it could again be a 1-1. Uh, yeah, as, as you said before, um, I, I'd take a draw. I'd take a draw. And then you've got the international break after that, which I, I, I'm just fed up with them. Is that right? Is what right? International break after. There is an international week after that before the whole game, yeah. Yeah, uh, and then oh, fed up fed up with them. Well, this should be the last international break now because I think these are the last two qualifiers, aren't they? These are the two that we England have got to win anyway. It's strange because as, as Everton players get more and more involved in international, I, I just care less about it. I just want to see our boys. I want to. I want to get to Goodison. I want to. You know, I don't care about international football anymore. I think that's a you know it's a, it's a common opinion amongst Blues, as we said in our previous podcast. Yeah, so as I mentioned before, I'm going to be going down to City on Saturday. Um, Johnny's not coming because his missus won't let him, basically, and he's under. No, it's a birthday, and I've chose not to. You know, it's one of those things, isn't it? Yeah, he's uh, he's playing the charmer, playing it smooth. So I'm going to be going down with uh, with Paul, who's uh, been on the podcast a number of times, uh, and we'll be doing a bit of bit of live podcasting on the way down there and and during the game. Um, and just for, obviously it's something that we talk about quite a bit Paul runs away trips to every away game uh, and you'll be able to catch ourselves on a number of the trips this season uh, if anyone is interested in going down to any of the away games with us and with Paul um, then you can contact ourselves on the Facebook page or you can contact Paul at since1878.co.uk uh, for instance you know the day this day for a bit of being an early kickoff is we will all meet at the players lounge which is our match day lounge uh, and then have a, they're opening the pub nice and early probably have a breakfast uh, a few drinks before heading on over to, to Manchester about uh, 10 o'clock in the morning uh, and getting to the ground nice and early and, and hopefully celebrating uh, three points yeah hopefully hopefully um, going back to like Paul's uh, Paul's match day stuff uh Great offer on Monday night, which we spoke about last week, past couple of weeks. Uh, and he, he did an all-in deal for forty-five quid, uh, including the match day ticket, which was you know a couple of my mates took took him up on that. And uh, you know we, we had a few people over who wouldn't normally go to them and said it was just a really great night, great atmosphere. So if you want to get involved, as Mark's just said, you just get in touch with us. Yeah, there's a deal going on for the whole game as well. So if anyone wants to come, be on the podcast. Go the game on a you know a, a discounted ticket um, and uh, enjoy a, a good piss up really. Then uh, again, contact us and let us know, uh, and we'll get that boxed off for you. And as you mentioned at the start of it, uh, not only John Bailey but Ian Snowden popped in after the game uh, on Monday night. So two two Everton legends there. Yeah, we always guarantee an ex Everton player uh, after the game giving a bit of a synopsis uh, and talking about the game, but. Basically, because you know, we've sort of been doing this for a long time now, and Paul's been doing this for a long time. You do tend to get other Everton players just dropping in for the pint and to speak to some of the the, the Blues who were there. So, um, yeah, both John Bailey, Annie, and Snowden, a couple of uh, ex Everton legend fullbacks, uh, were both in after the Newcastle game Monday night, and uh, and happy to to speak to everyone in attendance and do photographs and autographs and and all the rest that comes with it. So, uh, a good night was had by all. Talking about Everton legends, isn't it about time for something? Uh, it could be about time for the next inductee into our Hall of Fame. So we'll back, be back up with that next. I like what you did there. I like it. I'm Kevin Cheedy and you're listening to the Not Bitter, Just Better podcast. 
Looking in, quite a good cross there. Oh, Andy Gray, and it's given. It came out of Sherwood's hands, and Andy Gray has forced it home to put Everton two into the lead. And a victory for Everton in the FA Cup. So as you might have guessed, the next inductee into the not bitter, just better Hall of Fame is none other than Andy Gray. Yeah, luckily there's, uh, there's no women around here to be offended as we put Andy Gray in. So, um, yeah, Andy Gray. Yeah, um, before he was being jibbed off by uh, by Sky Sports, I believe you got some other stats about him. <laughs> yeah, we'll come to the Sky Sports debacle a bit later, but um, we're going to look more at Andy Gray as a footballer and uh, specifically his time at the Blues, really, because uh, what an impact he made for Everton. Um, we'll go through his stats as we normally do. Um, I'm going to ask you... His middle names, Johnny, and if you get these, then I will give you ten pound. Ten pound, right? What a good. His first name, Andrew. Andrew. I'm gonna guess Enoch is in there. It's close. Andrew Fortescue Mullen Gray. Oh, all right. He's definitely the first Fortescue we've ever had. I think. No, never heard that before. And I'm guessing he's probably going to be the last Fortescue we ever have. Uh, Andrew Gray, or Andy Gray as we've come to know him, uh, was born the 30th of November 1955. Uh, where was he born, Johnny? Glasgow. Correct. Um, his first club, or his first professional club he started as a youth team player, was the Clyde Bank Strollers. What do you know about them? I don't know. They sound walking into the net. <laughs> I like it. They sound, they sound like the old fly-out of push chairs, don't, don't they? But, uh, so I'm guessing he was there when he was about three. Uh, however, after the Clydebank strollers, he moved on uh, to Dundee United, uh, where he made uh, an immediate impact in Scottish football before being snapped up in 1975 by Aston Villa. Um, boo, I don't like Aston Villa. I don't know as well. No, I can't like stand him. Villa. Um, after Villa, he knocked around the... the the scene in the Midlands, really, uh, playing, going on to play for to Wolves, um, and then in 1983, um, so he, he wasn't really a young player at the time, um, Evan, he signed for the Mighty Blues? Yeah, from what I remember of the, the Andy Gray uh, story, so to speak, um, he, 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 he was facing uh, having to cut short his career before moving to Everton, uh, he'd had a, a few injury problems. And then he came in. Uh, it was like a, almost a, like a last last ditch saloon kind of thing. Uh, obviously, you know, he didn't finish his career at but you know, it was one last hurrah, uh, and he, he he made an absolute amazing impact. And you know, Jordan, you, you know, what, how many years was he in that? Uh, well, he was with the Blues for two years. I mean, you, you go back before before he'd done quite a lot in the game before he signed for Everton. I mean, here's a question for you. Let's see if you can get this. What have Andy Gray, Cristiano Ronaldo and Gareth Bale got in common? They've all gone for the world's highest transfer. Broke the transfer record. Uh, Andy Gray was, what, one and a half million, was it? Uh, this is the wrong answer. Oh, right, OK. I'll stop you there. The correct answer is they've all had good hairstyles. No, the, the correct answer is um, they all won the Young Player of the Year and the player of the year in the same year. Oh. And there are only three players to ever done it. And there was actually, I mean, there was a massive gap between uh, Andy Gray doing it and then Cristiano Ronaldo doing it. Uh, 30 years later. Oh, right, okay. So was I right in my bet, though, or was I wrong? You were correct in the in the fact that um, at one point Andy Gray was the, the record transfer. Uh, that was when he signed for Wolves from Aston Villa. Uh, which was a British record. I don't know if it was a world record, but it was a British record at the time of a massive 1.5 million. Right, okay. Um, so anyway, getting to, back to where we were off to when he signed for Everton in 83. We signed, the, the Blues signed him for 250,000. So that's two thirds of a Dan and Gibson. Uh, and he stayed at Everton for two seasons. Uh, and I think obviously the highlight of his Everton career, or one of the highlights anyway. Oh, one of many. Uh, was the clip that we played coming in? Yeah, that that one. Uh, I think that was what turned the Blues around. Really, that that cup run and that uh, you know in, in the eighties, that cup run and that that win 
uh, it just led us on the path to glory. You know, what only one season later, uh, you saw the Blues' most successful and best ever team, uh, 84-85, and Andy Gray was an integral part of that. So, um, yeah, so... So, I mean, I say, when he come into, he come into the club in 83 and uh, pretty much immediately formed a, a bit of a deadly partnership with, uh, with Graeme Shaw. And, you know, probably one of the Blues' best partnerships up front uh, in the history, really. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, that type of partnership couldn't exist in today's game. Uh, you know, the goal itself, I mean, I'm sure every Evertonian will have seen the goal. Uh, you know, you only have to breathe on a goalkeeper these days and you get, you get a freak and you get a free kick. You know, for anyone who hasn't seen the goal, basically what happens is that a cross comes in from the, the right-hand side from Trevor Stephen, uh, and the Watford keeper, which was um, Steve... Oh, I've gone blank, why have I forgot his name? Um, it'll come to me in a sec. Uh, basically comes out, catches the ball, uh, and Andy Gray literally headers it out of his hands. Yeah. That's pretty um, much the re- it. And the ref fortunately didn't see it that way. We, we'd already won nil up, so it wasn't you know it wasn't the decisive goal as such. Uh, but you know he, he made the challenge like he often did. You know he put his head in, uh, much like Lukaku did. Uh, you know a week or so ago, uh, he put his head in where it hurts, and not many players of today's game would do that. Uh, and you know he got the benefits of it, and so did the Blues. Well, yeah, and then obviously the Blues kicked on from there, and, and then the next season was probably you know the greatest season in, in Everton's history. Uh, you know, in '85, uh, and Andy Gray again integral part of that, um, winning league championship medal uh, and a European Cup Winners' Cup uh, medal as well on top of that. Yeah, one of my um, one of my like favourite like videos of Andy Gray, like memories, so to speak, was. Uh, is diving header, and I'm, I'm sure you know. I'm sure Blues will know what I'm talking about. The, the diving header, where it's like an inch off the floor, and he puts his head in. You know, where people wouldn't even go into volley, and he 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 he, uh, he gets his head in and scores on the floor. Um, and it just, I think that typifies uh, the way Andy Gray was as a blue. So in that '85 season, as we mentioned, we won the league, we won the European Cup Winners' Cup. We nearly did like a, a treble, basically, only narrowly losing to Man United in the FA Cup final. So things are looking rosy for Andy Gray, and then he got told um, the club decided, or Howard Kendall decided, that he fancied going in a slightly different direction and brought in Gary Lineker. Um, and much to the, uh, the dismay of uh, Evertonians everywhere, Andy Gray w- was sold on. Yeah, well, obviously. Lineker came in and did great for himself, uh, and he scored thirty goals in one season. You know, which was you know, I, I can't remember the last time before him. Obviously, it was, it was probably probably Latchford, wasn't it? Um, I, the last player to score thirty goals in a league season. Um, but in the eighty six season, didn't win anything. <laughs> well, exa- yeah, I think I think what Andy Gray gave you, apart from his goals, was he from from what I know, he was a great character to have in the dressing room, a yeah. great leader. You know, um, and, and just a, a good all-round lad, basically. Uh, but he was sold, anyway, in a £150,000 deal to Aston Villa. Um, and that was the end of his, his, his Everton uh, career, basically. Um, until a few years later, he was offered the chance, uh, or so it's been said, to resurrect his Goodison Park career and to come back as, as manager. Yeah, and I think he got a lot of criticism, and he still gets a lot of criticism about um, the way he talks about Everton. Um, you know, that particular uh, point you were talking about there, uh, he had a cushy job. You know, he was Sky Sports' main man. He had his gadgets. He had, you know, he could basically come out and say what he wanted about football. Everton, the Everton job at that particular time, it was when we were really, really, really struggling. Um, what, what, what was it? Was it, was it pre royal or post royal? Uh, I think it was, it was pre-Royal, wasn't it? Possibly, obviously before the Walter Smith days. So you know, it was it was dire days, Everton. So I mean, could you blame him? Well, it's one of them, isn't it? You'd always like to see an ex-player come back to, to the manager club, and I think at the time, you know, like you, you get shouts for Duncan Ferguson now, don't you? Before Martinez took over, and I think it was probably a very similar sort of situation at the time. Maybe he thought he wasn't ready. You know, we did have. 
as we're going to probably touch on now, quite a high-profile media role. Um, so I, I think Andy, you know, I've always thought Andy Gray's got a love for Everton, and, and I'm sure he would have... The, the thing is with Blues, I think because he talked such a good game and because he was such a high-profile uh, part of the Sky uh, emergence and, you know, the, the, like the phenomenon of, of Sky, uh, the way it changed the modern game, uh, I, th- I think, you know... We all kind of fancied it as a bit of a you know a bit of bit of a coup if we got him, um, and you know that's he obviously fancied the sky job more, uh, and you know as as I said there was criticism you know he he went back to Villa and had coaching roles with it with Villa and he always seemed to hold Villa in a higher regard than Everton when he spoke of them and I think that again that, that's why he was criticised a lot. Well, as we mentioned there, obviously he went on after his football career to, to, to become probably, at one point, the best-known pundit in the country, I would have thought, uh, forming a, another deadly partnership uh, after his partnership with Graeme Sharp with uh, the hairiest man alive, Richard yeah, Keyes. Old hairy hands. <laughs> old hairy hands. Um, uh, and then he, uh, as you say, revolutionised probably football coverage in this country with the sort of in-depth tactical analysis on Sky Sports and Monday Night Football and, and the rest of the games that Sky were covering. Yeah, you've got the you know, ITV, you've got the truck, haven't you, with Andy Townsend and they've got, you know, and you've got BBC, you've got their, their pundits and, you know, Sky, have got the Sky pad. But I don't think any of that would have been, you know, such such a, a big part of it uh, without Andy Gray. Um, yeah, so. Uh, and then, Obviously, it all came to a bit of a crashing halt after um, some allegedly sexist comments made between Keyes and Gray, um, and uh, they they'd lost the job on Sky basically after a bit of a media outcry. Yeah. Um, some say it was just a bit of a coup to get the, them off the wage bill and so they could get the likes of Carragher and Redknapp yeah. in, which is yeah. They know. wanted, I think, they, they wanted a new face for Sky Sports, and you know, obviously, Jamie Redknapp's is you know he's. he's done this modelling thing in the past and you know we fancied as a pretty boy and they wanted to go in a new direction with a younger more hip but I don't think they've replaced them you know Gary Neville I think is a, is a good is a good pundit and he's got a good knowledge of the game and he's won everything so you know as much as Redshite might, might say that we're wrong he has he's been there and done it but I don't think they've replaced Andy Gray and Richard Keyes as a partnership so they've moved on now anyway to, to talk sport and doing a punditry in other countries. I think they're out in Abu Dhabi at the minute doing Al, Je- Al Jazeera TV. Um, but, you know, I quite often have a little listen to the, the, the show on talk sport and, and you do have quite a bit of Everton content on there. Um, so, I mean, Andy Gray, you know, as we said, Everton legend, I mean, would you, would you have him as manager in the future? I think that time's passed now. If it come up, I, I don't know. I mean, he's just when he was when he was uh, he was in the limelight, and uh, he, we needed a savior at that time. I think we've we've moved on and he's moved on. So no, I don't think so. I think uh, definitely in our hall of fame. But yeah, that's it. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, for a man to play two seasons at Everton and to to help inspire, uh, you know, a league win, an FA Cup win, and a, a, win the European trophy. Uh, you know, nailed on to be in, in the Hall of Fame, really. Uh, I know he's already been entered into the, the club's Hall of Fame uh, and a couple of other Everton sites' Hall of Fames. But now he's uh, a bit like winning both the Young Player of the Year and the, and the actual Player of the Year in the same season. He, he, he's doing the big one now and getting into the, the Not Better, Just Better Hall of Fame. So, yes, yeah, so, so Sheedy puts across it. We've got Kale in the centre, and now we've got Andy Gray. So, well, uh, do you think them two are going to have a bit of a clash of heads, trying to win headers all the time? I think they both be challenging each other for the ball, and love love doing it. Well, I think both of them are going to get beat back to the header by Dave Rickson anyway, <laughs> Andy. So um, there's, there's quite a few good headers of the ball now in, the, in our Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, but that's it. Uh, Andy Gray, get yourself in there, lad. Welcome edition. Okay, so this has been another edition of the Not Bitter, Just Better Everton podcast, drawing to a close again. Uh, we've touched on Newcastle, we've mentioned the Man City game coming up. Looking forward to that on Saturday, must admit. Um, obviously then there's going to be a bit of a break to the whole game, which is on 19th at home. Um, so, you know, can we 
survive that long with our unbeaten run and still be Everton Invincibles? Hopefully. Can we go into November undefeated? Can we go into December undefeated? Can we go all season undefeated? We might be pushing it there. I think yeah. we'll get beat at some point. Maybe the last game of the season when we've already got the league title wrapped up and we've got nothing to play for. Yeah, we, we, I think we might lose that game, we possibly. Dream. We can dream. Um, as always, I want to just say, uh, if you're listening on SoundCloud, go and check us out and subscribe on iTunes if you've got an uh, Apple device. You can also check us out on the Stitcher app if you've got a, an Android device. Um, uh, thanks for listening once again. Uh, you know, we, we've had a couple of hundred listens every week now. Uh, you know, and it, it seems to be growing and growing. So, you know, a lot more feedback, people pitching in with what we what they want us to talk about. So, it's it's your content content as well as ours. We, if if you can, I mean, you know, try and spread the word about the podcast. Tell your mates. Tell anyone who wants to listen, uh, and just get people to give us give us a go. They might not like it. They may not ever listen again. Uh, but you know, just uh, just spread the word, and we we like to get out there. And the more listens we get, then obviously we can probably start attracting a few more players and ex-players then, and, and getting them on there, and getting a bit more content out there. So uh, we do appreciate everyone's support, and you know our regular listeners. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening. Mark's going to be trying to rein our roving reporter and his drunken match report in, and he's going to be bringing us back next week. So until then. Arrivederci. Yeah, it's a uh, it's it's Mark from the past here. Um, is the what do we do now with the podcast finished? I don't know. We're stuck in some kind of in the past limbo now. What are we going to do? Um. I was hoping we'd get to the future so I could get a hoverboard. How many fingers am I holding up, future Johnny? Future Johnny, how many fingers? Hello? Hello? Someone help us? We're stuck in the past. <laughs>